Hi, everybody. Matt Yakovit, the Hoss Talks Foss is back with another exciting episode today. We're here with Ebar, and I have my my Postgres hat on just to talk about Postgres. Uh, Ebar, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm fine. So, what about good. you? I'm good as well. I, I do have an elephant on my head, so it is a little weird, and it is it is a heavy elephant too, which is kind of it's not weird. Yeah. It's look cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it. I think it does 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 have a distinctive look. Um, but uh, appreciate you coming on today. Um, if you haven't heard any of Ebar's talks before, he has talked several times at several different conferences, including Procona Lives, but also Postgres Vision. Um, you know the the regular Postgres uh, conference circuit tour. He is uh, February's Blogger of the Month, which he got an awesome hat that I designed for him. So very excited about uh, those types of things. As well, but uh, Ibar, you've been in this, the Postgres space for a long time, so uh, you are the resident expert on all things Postgres here at Percona, and we're really excited to talk to you about some of the things you already talked about at Percona Live. So, if you want to catch Ibar's talks, they are on YouTube right now, so you can go check them out. Um, but wanted to talk a little bit about uh, his talks around high performance uh, Postgres and querying other databases. Uh, outside of Postgres. So two exciting topics, um, but figured we'd start with the, the performance because let's be honest, who doesn't like a charging elephant, right? That's always good, right? The faster the elephant charges, the better it is, or maybe not. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think that uh, you had a great talk. I was able to to catch most of it. And, um, you know, maybe tell us just a little bit about what, you know, you have done over the years uh, to kind of come up with all that Postgres, you know, awesome knowledge around performance and, you know, making, you know, Postgres kind of hum. Like how, how th this is many, many different war stories in one, right? It's taken a long time to get to where you are. I have been in software industry since 1999. And for my Postgres journey starts in 2006 when I joined Enterprise DB as an associate architect and then software architect and then senior software architect and now I'm in Percona uh, three years back so three years now in Percona now so I have uh, I think 15 years now in Postgres world yeah you have as much time in the Postgres world as I have in the MySQL world so congratulations um, you know uh, us, us old school database uh, folks have to stick together now what I found really interesting is a lot of the same things that I know from the MySQL space apply to Postgres as well. Um, you know, and it seems like many of the same Postgres, uh, the, the DBAs out there, try the same tricks. You know, you mentioned, you know, in your talk that you can always add more hardware as one of like the solutions that people pick. Um, but that's not the best solution, is it? Yeah, it's it's not the best, obviously, because it costs you money. It does, especially in the cloud space, right? Because now it's just more money. Swipe your credit card, go to the bit next biggest instance size. Does uh, does does Postgres, um, you know, uh, scale well with hardware though? So as you add more hardware, is there a point where Postgres just tends to not do as well? I mean, like, is there is there a limit to how much you can add or? No, I think there, there is, as far as I know, there is no limit of that. But you okay. have to do your PostgreSQL to match the hardware too. 
Right. And so, so you have to tune and configure. Um, so it's not just add more memory and everything just works. No, you have to go in and you have to adjust and tune the parameters and things. Yeah, absolutely. Because PostgreSQL is designed by default, it is designed to work on the low, the minimum hardware. If you just install it, it will start working. If you have a more hardware, then you have to tune your database to use the hardware. Okay. And so that, that, that vertical scalability in, in systems is there, but you have to know what you're doing. And that's a lot of what your talk talks about is, you know, the three different areas that you have that you can, you know, look at, which is obviously the database engine and tuning the configuration and tuning the database itself. Uh, but then also tuning the application to fix the code and to adjust the code to be more performant. Um, and also, uh, tuning those queries. Um, now, obviously, you've got the OS side, but I'm going to leave that out because that's a whole other discussion in and of itself. So when you see that, you know, you've got these options, when you've got the different knobs that you can turn, you can tune the configuration, you can, you know, adjust your application, you can tune the queries individually. Um, do you really have to do all three or is there one that's more important than the others? Yeah, the most important is the database tuning. Okay. Database is must be the tune because... There are multiple applications. You, maybe you have a multiple application connected with that database. So if your database is not properly tuned, so all the application will not work properly. But if your database is tuned perfectly, all the maybe one application which is not properly tuned will not work perfectly. But some application which are tuned will work perfectly with that database. So database tuning is the main thing. Then it's okay. come to the, the application. And then it's security and all of this stuff. Okay. And so really what, what, you know, that, that configuration, setting up the database properly, ensuring that your hardware and your database systems match, um, that's the foundation for anything. And it, it is the first thing you have to do. Yes. So that's, that's what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yes, Okay. And, you know, you know, one of the, the differences I know between, you know, Postgres and uh, MySQL is, you know, the model of processes versus threads. And this is something that you do talk about, um, you know, because a lot of the tuning that you can do is even down to the per process. So you can tune the session variables for a lot of different memory configurations um, individually as you open up sessions. Um, now, because you're spawning off a new process for every, you know, client, is there is there a risk that, you know, maybe you're going, you know, the, the larger uh, concurrency, you might have more um, memory usage and it might, you know, uh, consume more than um, that, than is uh, needed. And might you have to look at something like a uh, connection pooling externally to try and, you know, reduce that, work, you know, uh, memory footprint? Yes, actually, it all depends on your hardware also. If you have a okay. too many connection, too many connection, then there, there is a, some stage that you won't able to connect to the more connection to that server. So you need connection cooler because sometimes there is no need to. Uh, you, you need to think about your active users. So you need to have some kind of an, a cooler, and PG Bouncer is the one of the best cooler available. So you have to put PG Bouncer, and then you can use the database. But if you have okay. a very best uh, connection, then don't use the PD pooler that you can use directly to the database. But if you have a large number of connections, then I think PD uh, Bouncer is the one of the best solutions. Okay. And this is where, you know, Postgres has this wonderful 
extension ecosystem. It has wonderful tools and different things around it. Um, some of the extensions plug in, some of them, you know, set externally. And with some of the extensions, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, have their favorite extensions that they like, you know, whether, you know, it's, you know, for a purpose like, like PostGIS, um, you know, or, you know, other, you know, applications. Is, is there any risk when you add additional extensions that the core database slows down? So as you build out your application, you might start with just a very basic install, but then you start adding extensions on, um, you know, maybe to test, maybe to do different things. Is there a risk that those could potentially slow things down? Uh, yes. Actually, you need to trust some trusted uh, extensions because that's okay. that's way. If you start start installing the extension from third party and you have to look at who is building that, who is behind that. If somebody is, you don't know about that and that extension is not a well-known extension, then there is a risk even your database can crash using yeah. that extension. Yeah, so, so, you have so to be careful about that. So it's you got to be careful because there are I, I think there's like several thousand different extensions available on GitHub. Uh, probably even more. And if you don't know where they are, they can introduce performance issues, stability issues and other issues into the, your database, so you have to be very careful there. Yes, you have to be very careful because people don't use a third party extension if it's not written by well-known people. Well, so should some well-known company behind that, which is supporting that, so its code is well written and well documented, and it's worked perfectly. So then they start using that. Otherwise, it's a risk. So, is this why cloud providers don't do many extensions at all? Like they don't allow you to add your own in a lot of cases. I told you that it's, it's involved a risk. So if some kind of extension, if a post GIS and something like that, so you don't have to worry about that because it's well-known extension. So you don't have to worry to install post GIS or PostgreSQL FTW like that. So, but if you are talking about some extension which is not well-known, it can cause performance issue. It can cause your the stability issue. So that's okay. the that reason. Okay. And, you know, as, as you start to look at, you know, um, those extension ecosystems, you know, and what's out there, um, what what's maybe, in, you know, one of those extensions or one of those things that you really find interesting that maybe most people don't know about? Is there like one that, you know, you're like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, you know, I, I think more people should look at this. Yeah, I I really like the FTW concept. Or on data okay. And there are several foreign data wrappers available. And you know that uh, I am the author of three or four foreign data wrappers. So which is okay. the MySQL one, the first one. I started that, the MySQL one, the MongoDB, the ClickHouse, the HDFS FTW when I was in Enterprise DB. ClickHouse is the Percona one. Okay. And those give you access to databases that are external. Absolutely. Right. And so what is the downside of um, doing that sort of connection? Is, you know, uh, are, are there gotchas or things you need to watch out for? Uh, sorry? When you try and connect to, let's say, an external MySQL or Mongo, you know, it's it's not quite the same as having the data directly there. So are there things or, or tips or tricks that people should do in order to get better performance when they're trying to access that external um, information? Yeah, actually, the foreign data wrapper provides a really good interface. So okay. it translates everything 
you need, like you can also set the parameter from the MySQL, MySQL side. You can set the parameter there. Okay. I did that MySQL FTW. So like time zone, you have to have same time zone setting on both the systems. So I did that in MySQL FTW. So you can do that. It's really powerful tool now, FTW. Okay, great. Great. Well, back, back to performance again, because I'm a performance you know, person. Um, you, you know, one of the surprising things that I learned during your session was the recommendation for the shared buffers is only 25% um, of your total memory. I know like in, in, in MySQL space, InnoDB, it's like 75 to 80%. And so the shared buffers being only 25%, I know that you had some thoughts on that as a default or, or what people recommend that it's too low. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it's not default. Default is very low. Default value okay. is very low. It's And when you're talking about 25%, it's just a documentation. Because it was documented at that time when we have a database, a database and have an application server on the same system. So when you have an application server and some other stuff and a database on the same system, then you cannot give a 70% to the database. So application server or something else need memory. So that's why people saying that 25% is the good one. But I'm talking about when you have a dedicated database. So why not give the maximum you can give to the database? Because usually now a database is a standalone system nowadays. So you can give um, 60%, 70%. So you can give that. It will give you a really good performance. But keep in mind, you have to think about your workload. workload. If your workload is just uh, 30% of your total RAM, so why you are giving you 70%, 60%, 30% is enough for that? Because there is no advantage of giving more to the database. Yeah. No, and I mean, that makes sense because honestly, nowadays you're right. No one's running kind of this shared setup unless it's like a test environment because, you know, everybody's using whether it's virtualization or, you know, Docker or something else. They, they have, <coughs> excuse me, I'm a sneeze. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, they have a little bit of, um, you know, flexibility to segregate that out. So typically, if you are running on a virtual machine, you know, or you're going to share a, a physical hardware, you're still going to have a dedicated amount of memory allocated to it. Uh, so it's it's very rare that I see in production you have a full stack running on a single box anymore. Yes, um, this is not, not nowadays. But in a long time before, people were doing that. Okay. And, and I know that during your talk, you, you walk through uh, about a dozen different, you know, variables that people should consider and set and think about, you know, and you do show some of those performance implications um, versus one over the other. But really, the shared buffer was the one that you called out as the most important one. Um, is there another one that you would say, if you're going to only set, you know, two things, you're only going to look at two things, look at the shared buffers and look at this other one? Yeah. The main, the shared buffer, because the other are some dedicated, uh, dedicated one, like the ball buffer, the workman, the maintenance workman, they are all for the specific purpose. But shared buffer is the common one. Okay. If you want to say that you have to tune your database for the, as a memory concept, tune your shared buffer first. That's okay. it. So, you know, Postgres has a lot of interesting, you know, ways to adjust and tune memory and, you know, the specific workloads, there's so many 
interesting different configuration variables. If you're going to sort, you know, a lot of data, you know, set these things. If you're going to, you know, do more of uh, OLAP type, you know, things, consider these. There, there's a lot of those things. And so um, it, I would really encourage everyone to maybe take a look at your session. Well, you know, it's it's an hour. It Like I said, it's on YouTube. It's out there for, for people to, to get a deeper dive. Um, but one of the questions that, you know, I, I often come up with, and this is something that I hear from other people when they talk about scalability, um, you know, right now we're in this space where people want easy scalability. So either they're going to add a whole bunch of hardware until they can't, or they're going to look for that uh, clustered solution, right? They're going to, you know, scale out. And that's an area where Postgres um there really isn't a de facto standard for a, a quote unquote cluster. Now, while there is replication and things, um, you know, where is the cluster? What, you know, what, you know, I know that there's some different, you know, uh, companies that have done some things, but in your opinion, is that, is that an area that you think is going to can, you know, grow and you're going to see more, um, you know, working? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. When we're talking about the clustering, then we have a different type of, type of replication of different, the logical application, the streaming application. So we have that options. But when we are talking about the, the whole cluster management, the Postgres is lacking. Even uh, if you were talking about the multi-primary replications, there is no option for in, in Postgres. The different companies has their own dedicated solution, like Enterprise DB have their own solution, Second Quadrant has their own solution. The company, they have, they have Doing that, they have their own solution for that. So in the community, there is no what is going on, but Zalando has Petroni has its own solution, the Petroni one. So I think there is there is a potential to work on that area. So uh, there is a one solution that's available that is a PostgreSQL Excel actually. So, but it's not uh, in my opinion is a production ready solution, but it's open source, but it's not production ready solution. So there is a potential in that area. You're absolutely okay. right. Okay, great. So, Ibar, thanks for you know taking some time out today to chat with me. I really would love if people you know check out your your talks. You know, like I said, there's an hour deep dive talk on how to tune and optimize your Postgres SQL environment out there right now for free. You can go watch it. It's great. Um, there's also a, a, a wonderful talk specifically on, you know, those data foreign wrappers, uh, uh, you know, that, that you can access other databases from Postgres. And so if you want to know the ins and outs of that, that's something that's really exciting as well. Uh, Ibar, thank you for joining us. Appreciate the time today. Thank you, man. Thank you. Wow, what a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.